This is VC Projects Podcast, and today my guest is Shane Gafog. Shane Gafog is an American artist that looks through the lens of humanity at civilizations both past and present, and views time as threads that connect all people. His work is a visual language that is informed by the spiritualism of abstraction and the realism of the old masters. These two ideas are usually seen as separate, but Gafog fuses them seamlessly into works that transcend and become testaments to thoughts that inform us of who we are in the 21st century. Um, thank you, Shane, for joining me. Thank you for having me yet again. You're not bored with what I have to say yet? No, no, no. Oh, my. Okay. And, and today we're at um, mm. the new project space called El Nido, The Nest. And what is that? Oh, that means The Nest? Yeah, it means The, the nest. nest in Spanish. And um, it's on Western Avenue Collective in East Hollywood, and it's also the home of the Gafog Studio for the past twenty nine years. Twenty nine years. Uh huh. So a long time. But we're here to talk about the group show. Um, in your absence, something can be born, and um, we have uh, five works. Um, in the exhibition by you, two of, yeah. two of them are from early pattern paintings, mm-hmm. and um, we also have some rubbings on paper. Yes, and they are from 2002. In 2001, yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the paintings is called If I Had Not Seen the Sun. Yes. And um, The Chatter of Curious Angels. Yes. And then we've got a new work by you, also the Chatter of Curious Angels, a new... Five-panel. Piece. Yeah, piece. Um, done this past year. And um, the, the topic of the show was inspired by two things. Um, alchemy, the idea of alchemy in material aspects, but also transformation um, in, in a psychological sense of our being as an artist in our journey through life. And then also by Rumi, um, the famous six-book volume, The Mothnavi, and um, his verses there that just that talk about wisdom and life and love and everything else that Rumi... Is, the Sufi poet. The Sufi poet. Rumi, yes. But, but alchemy and being the founder of Pharmaca in Los Angeles. Yes. I, I was keen to talk to you about this subject. Okay. Um, Where shall we begin? Well, I, I find these pattern paintings um, very much about alchemy, mm-hmm. not only just because of the paint taking a, a blank canvas and creating a work of art, mm-hmm. but also just describing the work in the patterns and the veils and the light and the shadows and the color. And so, first of all, I just want to hear what you think, you know, to you, what does alchemy mean to you? I, I've always 
from when I was a, a kid, um, and I remember looking at art books that my mom had, and I thought that these artists were great magicians because they were turning, you know, these this paint. At, you know, at that point it was in a tube, but before that, you know, it was powder for minerals that they would grind up and mix with linseed oil or walnut oil and turn into a paste, and that paste would become the paint. And so you're, it's, it's, it's a transformation of one um, element into another element. And a painting becomes, I think, a portal, whereas the pigments themselves are a tangible object. Even though the painting is a tangible object, what exists within the painting may, might not necessarily be so. Mm -hmm. It becomes a state of mind. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, is, a, is alchemy. Mm -hmm. You know, you're turning you're turning straw into gold, mm -hmm. water into wine, mm -hmm. this pigment into a portal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know that we look into that we can emotionally have an experience with. Mm -hmm. And with the pattern paintings that I was doing back then, um, I was really interested in how my subconscious and conscious mind were. We're communicating, mm -hmm. and I thought that if I just randomly make marks <clears throat> on a canvas, then that is really about this a subconscious moment mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. Then I would sit and either draw what I had just painted, or sometimes later on when I got Photoshop, I would take pictures of it and then put it into Photoshop. And, and then res it all up, and you know, so you got high contrast. And, <clears throat> and it would break the image apart, and so it was like an echo. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would figure out the size of the painting, the canvas, and how many times I wanted that image replicated across it, so that it, it creates these patterns. Mm -hmm. And the pattern, it's almost like the way that we live our daily lives. We do things repetitively, okay. right? And our speech patterns, the way we get dressed in the morning, how we brush our teeth, these are all patterns that make up our existence. And so coming from a subconscious place and then creating patterns from that subconscious moment, what would that look like? And then I thought, well, maybe that is almost like a bridge between my subconscious or even the unconscious up to my conscious level. Mm -hmm. And what I... What's so interesting to me was that the, these random markings that I began making, once they had been mirrored, um, then they became these patterns, and they started taking on a sense of language mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. But it was a language of coming from the subconscious mind. And that got me thinking about language in general, which got me the original spark of a moment that I had in my early 20s one night was that um, memory is the conversation that happens between our mind and our body. Mm. That's what our memories are about, right? Mm -hmm. It's a conversation almost that happens between our minds and our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so painting, therefore, becomes a physical act of my memory and a psychological act of my own physicality. Okay. So with that idea, and then another thing that, that hit me 
way back when was what do our thoughts look like before we attach language to them? Mm -hmm. Because language are symbols. And over the course of, you know, millennia, they've developed and become their own coding system. But what is the source of that system? And <clears throat> that's where these, these um, pattern paintings were coming from for me. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost like a... Mm, I, it's like my own archaeological dig into my subconscious mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what came out of it was something quite beautiful and lyrical. Mm -hmm. and, and that fascinated me. So, but then I realized also there's another element that was happening with these paintings was that um, in the summertime, my family, we would all go to New Hampshire during mm -hmm. this period. Mm -hmm. And if you're sitting on the dock of the water, you see the light reflecting off the water. And then you see the body of water. And oh. then you see um, the, the, the ground underneath, right? And the, and the plants and everything that's sitting at the bottom of it. So I'm seeing three realities simultaneously. And I thought, how can I achieve that through pain? Mm -hmm. And so this patterning became my way of doing that. Wow. I mean, it's so effective when you, when you tell that story. Right? And so <clears throat> the underneath movement is almost like these invisible waves that are in the body of water that are reflecting the light. You know, when you're looking at, at into a pond or something or, or a shallow part of the lake, and, and especially if it's clear. And then the, the patterns on the top are almost like the little ripples uh, that are catching the light at the surface. Mm -hmm. And then you have these veils going through it, and the veils are the way that light goes through um, a body of water. Mm -hmm. So those ideas were all playing into these paintings. Mm -hmm. And they become both abstract and real, mm -hmm. you know, simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the, the rubbings <clears throat> at one point, so I would make these templates mm -hmm. after I would do the initial markings on the painting. Um, I would then say, okay, if this painting is six feet by eight feet and I wanted it, um, the pattern replicated 12 times across and 12 times vertical, then I would figure out what the measurement of that, of that section should be. And so then I would print it out um, and then mirror it in Photoshop and print that out. And then with a little X-Acto knife, I would spend a lot of time cutting out these things, right? And then I would mark out the entire canvas with a tape measure and a piece of chalk where the corners were. Oh my gosh. And so then I'd have this whole thing gridded out. And then I'd start in the left-hand corner and start working it across the top to the right and then start back over again on the left hand side. Wow. So in the same way that we write. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. But <clears throat> I started running into these problems because paint would gather up on the template and it was a thick piece of paper and, and it would leave marks on the canvas where I didn't want them so I'd have to go back in and, and with a paper towel and clean it off. And then I thought well what if I just start cleaning off the the template on a piece of paper mm -hmm. and then lo and behold there's another pattern mm -hmm. 
And, and then I thought, well, what if I just keep doing it and doing it and doing it throughout the course of a single painting, and I keep doing it on one sheet of paper to clean off the template, and it becomes this ghost image. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, again, is... I mean, they're very strange creatures. Yeah, they, they sort of echo existence, or they mm -hmm. echo a thought, or they're sort of... Um, they're kind of psychic in a way. I, I love them. How so psychic? Well, they allude to something that is familiar, but you don't know what it is, and you don't know mm. why it is. Mm. And these... It's just something that I feel like is a part of our past. Mm -hmm. But there's some kind of comfort in seeing it now. They're figurative. Mm -hmm. They're figurative. But yet, they are almost like microcosms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's parts of figurative yeah. matter, but but to me, they're they're like the story that you mentioned when the doctor said, "Draw this." This, yeah, this draw, draw this image that I saw on a wall. Right. In, in a sort of subconscious state. Right. And so I, I drew the symbol. Uh-huh. And, and then he asked me if I could make the sound of the symbol. Mm -hmm. And I did. And he was shocked because then he asked if I had ever studied Sanskrit. Uh-huh. And I said, no. And he said, well, you just drew a Sanskrit letter and you just, that sound is the sound of that letter. Right, right. And, and that was a shocking moment for him and a, a strange moment for me. Um, and you know, and then you realize, like, if you get out of your own way, you can really tap into something. And that, <clears throat> I think that, from an, you know, it's like if we could. And here's another thing with these paintings, like these veils of light that are going crossing down the, the pattern painting. Uh -huh. And another thing that was always in my mind was that, well, we're in this three-dimensional world, but all around us is a fourth dimension and a fifth dimension and mm -hmm. a sixth dimension. Mm -hmm according to the physicist, and that uh, gravity exists on the seventh dimension, and the string theory uh, would exist on the 14th dimension. Mm -hmm. And it's that vibration, this pure energy vibrating, mm -hmm. that works its way through the different dimensions, and the vibration creates patterns. Mm -hmm. And the patterns become more patterns, but patterns on top of patterns on top right. of patterns, yeah. until it gets to our dimension, and those patterns create our, our atoms, and our molecules mm -hmm. and the world that we know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, right? exactly. So those patterns is another thing that I was interested in seeing if I could basically mine for, mm -hmm. if I could dig them up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like if, you know, another way that they look, especially the red one there, um, is if, if the walls... You know, like it, if if you think about going into an, a tomb, like let's say in Egypt or something, mm -hmm. and if those walls, or if you went to um, Stonehenge, you know, any any, any ancient site, um, and if if those walls were vibrating mm -hmm. or there was a pulse from all of that, mm -hmm. what did it look like? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And that's what it looks like to me. What like it's it Egyptian. It, it's it, I just look at it and I go, that's that's the inside of a tomb. 
So what if the what if the invisible became visible? Well, isn't that what painters or or alchemists are yeah. trying yeah. to? Well, and that's that, that's one thing I've always thought about my work is that I want to. There's things that I sense around me all the time, mm-hmm. um, but I don't necessarily see them, but I sense them. So then I think, okay, it's something there. It's in the fourth dimension. It's probably right in front of me. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, because of my own confinements of my own physical body, I'm not able to see it, but I can feel it. Uh-huh. So if I feel it, what am I feeling, and how do I transcribe that feeling? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something that, you know, again, in the beginning when I asked you, when I said, psychically, how do you know what's influencing your mind, your heart, your hand to make that how do I mark? Know? You know, like, <clears throat> again, that's the alchemist side of it, right? Yeah, and I think sometimes it's it's actually better not to know. Right, yeah, just go, just like, let go you know, just like the other exhibition you have going on um, at the still point of the turning world, only through time is time conquered. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Gross said in his statement, which I loved about the show, that this is a heroic painting. Mm-hmm. And not only is it a heroic painting, but how did you get there? And let's remember that you stopped, you let go, and you just went in and made this time and the space to create it. Mm-hmm. And that, that took a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me, yeah. I guess to the point where, <clears throat> you know, like going to Cal Arts, it's a very conceptual-based school. And <clears throat> conceptualism, I realized that for me anyway, if I had the concept before I had the product, before I had the, the painting, um, then the painting is just an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And it, there was nothing organic in there for me. But on the other hand, if I allow myself to be in the moment, mm-hmm. truly in the moment, and be inspired by whatever is going on in my life, be good, bad, or ugly, um, if it's raining outside or it's 110 degrees outside, or if there's silence outside, or if there's sirens going by, <clears throat> all those things filter in to my psyche. Mm-hmm. And I become a conduit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so then, <clears throat> it's, as I'm doing this piece, I don't like that painting in particular. It it gets to a certain point where it becomes a conversation, a, a very silent, wordless conversation that I'm having mm-hmm. with that moment mm-hmm. of creation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can, I can analyze it or intellectualize it after the fact. Mm-hmm. But for me, I find that if I try to do that beforehand, it shuts me down. Mm-hmm. And I lose access mm-hmm. to the invisible. Right, okay. Well, let's talk about um, your other painting, The Chatter of Curious Angels. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. And that's a series that, you know, you've done a few paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I was reading a book about uh, the the ancient Sumerians Mm -hmm. and they talked about they wrote about what was called the watchers 
and that the watchers would suddenly appear and they and they would disappear and mm -hmm. you know they wrote about all these cuneiforms and it was a very curious thing for me <clears throat> and and then it was um, the watchers we talked about also in the book of Genesis and that they were the keepers of information and they were the givers of information and they're the ones who guided mankind to learn about agriculture and the arts and language and mathematics and how to build and how to cultivate mm -hmm. and, you know all these things that we take as for granted now as part of our society yeah well they these ancient people write about that it was the watchers who brought this information and bestowed it on these people and later on in, in throughout Genesis the watchers become the angels oh okay and so the it, there's a there's a transformation right and so now there's in terms of how language is used because there's been so many reinterpretations and so many books that have been added and, and taken out and to form sort of a common thread of a story mm -hmm. that um, so then the, the idea of angels and the idea of the fourth dimension or the fifth dimension and that maybe angels are real and maybe it's it's a it's an energy mm -hmm. that has the capacity to manifest into this dimension mm -hmm. if we're open to see it mm -hmm. or not I don't know mm -hmm. so this is how my mind works you know I started thinking about these things and then I thought well if there's oh and there are wings of desire that film too by Vim Vender right <clears throat> And so here are these angels, remember? Mm -hmm. And they're helping to guide mm -hmm. these people. Well, the angels are chattering amongst themselves. What yeah. to do, what to yeah. do with humanity. Right, Not right. So it, all those things combined right. um, got me thinking about the markings on this painting as a form of a written language mm -hmm. that was chatter if you didn't know how to read it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then I thought, well, it's the chatter of curious angels are looking in on us humans for sure that that painting that you did um is dated 2003 it's number 11 so you you did a few mm -hmm. and there's you know there's a lot of color in that there's there's blue there's orange there's red and it, it it's clearly from that pattern period it is and and now that the patterns are becoming less defined as calligraphic shapes, but more uh, um, anamorphic shapes. Mm -hmm. They're almost becoming little creatures mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And the, the background is these oranges and reds, and then the pattern is blue, so they're complementary colors. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the blue just to almost smash up against it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, feels like it. Yeah, off of it. yeah, it feels like that. Yeah. Wow. So, so um, today you brought the chatter of curious angels um, from two thousand and twenty. Yeah, something 20. that you did during the lockdown, and mm -hmm. and there's it's five in, of them. there's five of them. It's it's kind of more moving into uh, ribbon esque um, lyrical, and it's in black and white, and so. These years later, what what more does it mean to you? 
to continue this <clears throat> conversation. I just it um, keeps coming out. Yeah, I think um, as I was working on these paintings, I, I didn't know what they were going to be called, if they should have a title at all, and then there was a a musicality to them mm -hmm. that was very organic and that I was seeing and almost like the way smoke moves mm -hmm. through the air or um, a plant under the ocean mm -hmm. as it's being moved by the, the currents. Mm -hmm. So those things were in my mind a little bit and then um, there was something about them that just was so musical and if you look at them, each one, each panel is affecting the next one. Mm -hmm. So there's um, a, there's an echoing going on between mm -hmm. them. The, this one ribbon will come to the edge, and it kind of continues off into the next next side, next area of it. And another one is cut off, and then continues elsewhere. Um, and so it is a a bit of a conversation that I'm documenting in. So almost as if these are film stills. Mm -hmm. And if you look at a film still in the way that you know, if you see it very quickly, it'll blends together. But if you look at a film still one frame at a time, mm -hmm. it looks very juddery. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, there's a disconnect between the movements of the mm -hmm. people in them. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that's always another thing going through my mind. But, and then I realized that, that these things are so musical and they're so chitter chattery mm -hmm. in that way. It's almost like they're like dancing. Mm -hmm. And then I just thought again about, oh, it's the chatter of curious angels reappearing. Mm -hmm. In five panels. In five panels. In five angels. Five angels, yes, and they're having a grand time. Yeah. So that's that's what that was about. But in this one, you know, some of these, these calligraphic lines are semi-transparent. Yeah. And you don't know if they're becoming or they're disintegrating. And so they're in a flux in between the state, mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. a state of consciousness almost. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, next question. <laughs> okay, I want to read you the text that I was inspired by, um, the text by Rumi from the Moth Navi. Okay. Um, it's from the third book, and... Um, the third book is supposed to be about reason and knowledge. Um, and and I just want to hear what comes to your mind, just as the person that you are. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it. I died to the mineral state and became a plant. I died to the vegetal state and reached animality. Animal inality. <laughs> I died... To the animal state and became a man. Then what should I fear? I have never become less from dying. At the next charge forward, I will die to human nature, so that I may lift up my head and wings and soar among the angels. And I must also jump from the river of the state of the angel. Everything perishes except his face. Once again, I will become sacrificed from the state of the angel. I will become that which cannot come into the imagination. Then I will become non-existent 
Non-existence says to me in tones, like an organ, truly to him is our return. Wow. And he wrote that towards the end of his life. <laughs> 13th century? 13th century. Yeah. That's pretty profound. And it's basically what we're talking about. Okay, well that's good because I was inspired <laughs> by that's what we're verse. About because yeah, you go into the animal state, you go into the the earth, and you become a plant. You go into the animal state, and become a man, um, and then you go into the spirit state and become, you know, one with the angels. Mm-hmm. And what are the angels? Spirit, and it's no longer your existence here is no longer here. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The transformation, mm-hmm. alchemy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and to you, lastly, just to sum it up, because you're you're an artist um, working, thriving today in 2021, and what it means to be an artist, and you know, it's really easy for us to talk about how you go into your studio and make art. But there's, there's this whole beginning of people, creative people, going into the studio to make art. And I remember when I was in art school, you're staring at this blank canvas and, and you're like, well, what do I do? What do I paint? Um, it's, I mean, of course, we did life drawing classes and still life drawing classes and painting classes. But then it's your turn to actually create the composition and what colors are you going to use and what is it about yourself that you have you want to take up physical space to share with the world and and do you i mean i'd say to myself do i have the right mm. what do i know you know but alchemy is such an important thing and i just really hope artists today as a curator really think about it what are they doing yeah, I think, you know, the arts, all the arts are a form of communication. And so it's important that each artist ask themselves, what is it you want to say? Mm-hmm. What is it you want people to know? And not just painters. Not just painting, writing, singing, dancing, theater, filmmaking. It's writing. It's all a form of communication. Mm-hmm. So what is it you're communicating? And... You know, and it may be something that is not, <clears throat> it's not possible, like with painting, it's not always possible to express with words, and that's why you paint. Mm-hmm. And with poetry, it's not possible to express that in any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you write poetry. And, and that's why poetry has evolved. Right, right. And I, you know, I always said about my, my paintings, if there was another medium that I could use that could say the same thing, I would do it. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 don't, I don't find that anywhere. Not even in music? No, music is a, is a different animal for me. Um, and film, too. And film, too. It's, it's a different animal for me. Uh, painting is something that is, it's more about alchemy. Mm-hmm. It's more about turning water into wine or straw into gold. I'm turning pigments, like I said, into this portal. And your mom showing you as a little kid, yeah. this is paint. 
Yeah, this is paint. And you, you know. taking the lids off of the paint and smelling it. Smelling it, and the smell was intoxicating to me. I think I was maybe five or six years old. And the little tubes of Grumbacher at the, um, it was the Tinkin uh, drugstore in Lindsay, California. And there was a rack of Grumbacher paints, just the little tubes. Uh-huh. And I would just sneak over there and take the tops off and smell it, and then I would touch it, and, and it had that, you know, the linseed oil was always sitting on the top, and mm-hmm. I'd rub it on my hand to see what it felt like, and that's alchemy. Uh-huh. And then to turn that into art. Well, and you, you experienced it when you went to London, and you saw the, the Rembrandt at the National Gallery, and it oh, sure. talked to you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper mm-hmm. in Milan. I mean, that sealed my fate right then. I knew why I was on this planet. Mm-hmm. 17. Yeah, but with that also comes a responsibility now. Yeah. You know, if there's a burden to that. Right. So you can't just turn your back on it. If something that you, that, that you, you know, then that becomes your responsibility to fulfill mm-hmm. it. That goes back to the alchemist. Right. And fulfilling, living out, seeing omens, living it out. If if you didn't do it, like people have, could have mentioned to you, oh, why not be a teacher? Why not do this? Why not do that? I heard all those things. They're gonna, it's, you're, inside is still going to be, you know, pinching you, saying, mm-hmm. do this. No, you're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be painting. You're yeah. supposed to be in your studio. No, you're not supposed to be a professor at this university. You're supposed to be in there. Right. And supposedly, in alchemy, once you give yourself, once you know what you have to be or do mm-hmm. or find, once you're completely surrender, yes. the world com- opens up for you. Yep, the world acknowledges it and says, Hi. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. God, we're banging on your head for how long now? You finally got it. Got the message. It came through. Yay. Here you are. No, it's true. And and I, you know, I've tried other things along the way. And every time the door just got slammed in my face, including music. Um, and I think I'm fairly decent at music. But it wasn't, it's not the reason I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't mean I can't enjoy music. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I still don't write songs. I do all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. And, um, you know, I was just playing my piano two days ago. Mm-hmm. Sat down for an hour and played. Yeah. Because I had a need to do it. And I started writing a song. But, <clears throat> you know, and now I just got through planting um, a vineyard. And that, to me, is another form of, of alchemy. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I'm out there with a shovel and digging up the dirt and putting these vines in the ground and getting on my hands and knees and covering it up with my hands, you know, packing the soil around it and make sure it's all straight and everything's in line. And knowing that that these moments are going to transcend into the creation of fruit, which I will then turn into wine. Mm-hmm. That's alchemy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so it's, but it's all a creative process. Mm-hmm. And you got to be open to it. Yeah, yeah, and that doing that physical work, I think, helps keep me balanced um, so I don't get too far down into my own 
thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, because that can be a slippery slope too. Yeah. So it's good to go out and break a sweat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Anyway. Well, thank you so much. Thank for you. Hope taking that wasn't, the time. Uh, <laughs> too, oh, that's my squeaky chair. Too much. <laughs> no, it's too great. much information. No, it's it's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Today. Thank you for having me. And it's a great looking show. And there's other artists in here as well. Um, would you like to name them off? Sure. Um, Erica Shires, Shane Fogg, Dennis Ekstrom, uh, L. Mikkel Stambridge, um, Denis Foray, and Yuri Boyko. And that's about it. Very nice. It's a nice, nice. Oh, Takafumi Imura, excuse me. He did a sound piece, actually. And Greg Smith, okay. also. Yeah. Very nice. It's a wonderful space. Oh, thank you. It's it's very calming to be in here. You've done a nice job. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs>